Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. In today's brief, we'll talk about severed supply lines, Nazis, and drones. I'm Linnea, and today is Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. Russian artillery systems had another bad day on July 31st, along with 17 armored combat vehicles, 10 drones, and 5 tanks. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, also reported 500 Russian troops were killed. According to Deputy Defense Minister of Ukraine Hanna Malyar, Russian forces continued trying to conduct assaults on the Kupyansk, Liman, and Svatova fronts on August 1st, holding Ukrainian personnel under intense artillery fire. The attacks were ultimately unsuccessful. Ukrainian forces are advancing in the southern part of the Bakhmut front, reportedly dislodging entrenched Russian forces south of Andreevka. And Deputy Minister Malyar reported that Russian forces tried to regain positions to the north of Bakhmut, but failed. Soldiers of the Ukrainian 63rd Brigade, who were interviewed by the Kyiv Independent, said that Russian assaults near Kremina were, quote, endless. But in spite of that, Russian forces have only advanced about 500 meters in the area of the Serebryansky Forest in two months. United Kingdom Defense Intelligence reports that fighting is intense near Velika Novosilka in Donetsk Oblast and near Orekhiv in Zaporizhia Oblast. The Ukrainian military's Medical Forces Command inexplicably neglected to purchase any first aid kits in 2023, according to Minister of Parliament Solomiya Bobrovska. Okay, quick sidebar. How exactly does the medical command of a nation at war not order first aid kits? Out of all the people who must have looked at their budget, not a single one thought it was weird that zero dollars were allocated for first aid? The Ukrainian parliament's National Security Committee launched an investigation of military medical supplies following numerous social media reports from late July about poor-quality tourniquets being provided to the troops. According to Bobrovska, the first aid kits that were provided through international aid weren't properly checked. I'm really not sure which is worse, to be honest. Moving on to the home front, a strike on a healthcare facility in Kherson Oblast resulted in the death of a doctor and five people injured. The doctor, Dmitro Bilui, was apparently on his first day as an ENT doctor, and one of the injured is a nurse in critical condition. Kamikaze drones struck a student dormitory in Kharkiv on the night of July 31st, destroying two floors of the building and causing a fire in the surrounding area. There were no casualties reported at the time of recording. Pershotravneve in Kharkiv Oblast was shelled during the day on August 1st, killing an elderly woman and injuring a man. A Russian sabotage unit attempted to cross the Ukrainian border into Chernihiv Oblast. It was not successful. 
98,000 war crimes have been committed by Russian forces in Ukraine, according to the head of the War Crimes Department of Ukraine's Prosecutor General's Office. The Security Service of Ukraine, or SBU, announced it had arrested an individual in Mykolaiv suspected of providing information on the consequences of Russian airstrikes against critical infrastructure in the oblast to pro-Russian blogger Sergei Lebedev. The SBU also reported that it had arrested a military official who had demanded bribes from contractors for the repair of military barracks in Odessa Oblast. The military enlistment head of Dnipropetrovsk Oblast also found himself in hot water, suspected of, quote, illicit enrichment. His office and properties were searched, and according to the investigation, he and his relatives acquired roughly 350,000 U.S. dollars during the full-scale invasion, which is way more than his legit income. 350,000 U.S. dollars is 12.9 million hryvnia. For context, that's 10 times the average annual salary in the Dnipropetrovsk Oblast. According to Ukrainian military intelligence, pro-Ukrainian residents of Crimea have been, quote, systematically attacking Russian bases with Molotov cocktails, which has resulted in tighter Russian surveillance and mass detentions and violence to dissuade potential dissidents. Videos circulated on social media of an apparent explosion near Sevastopol around 6 p.m. local time on August 1st. The illegitimate head of the Russian occupation government of Sevastopol said the explosion was due to a drone being shot down, and vegetation in the hills around the city caught fire. Explosions were also reported near Gvardeyevsky in the Simferopil area of Crimea. Fun fact, the Gvardeyevskoye airbase is located in Gvardeyevsky. There was no information about damage or casualties at the time of recording. We've reported in previous briefs that the railway and roadway bridges at Chonhar were destroyed by storm shadow missiles fired by the armed forces of Ukraine. That's the AFU. This is a huge development that, in our professional opinion, is being undercovered by most Western media outlets. So, there are three bridges that connect occupied Crimea to occupied Kherson over the Chonhar Strait. Two roadway bridges that lead into Chonhar, Kherson Oblast, and one two-tracked railway bridge that leads into Suvash, Kherson Oblast. On June 22, 2023, the AFU struck one of the road bridges with a storm shadow missile, rendering it inoperable. Satellite images showed the Russian occupiers built a pontoon bridge across the strait, which has since been removed. It's not clear whether the bridge had been repaired or partially repaired. Based on photographs, we assess that only one of the roadway bridges was struck. On July 29th, the AFU struck the railway bridge. Pictures emerged two days later confirming the bridgehead, that's where the bridge meets the land, was severely damaged. A civil engineer that we spoke with said that, aside from a direct attack on the supporting structure of the bridge over the open water, the destruction of the bridgehead represents the most complicated challenge for Russian engineers to try and fix. Why is this important? A couple of reasons. First, logistics wins wars. Russian supply lines, called ground lines of communication or GLOCs, are highly dependent on railways. In fact, Russia has a dedicated division of troops for protecting and repairing the railway infrastructure. The destruction of the bridge puts it out of commission for some time, 
and unless they build a new one, will only be able to carry a reduced load once repaired. The infamous Kerch Bridge, or Crimean Bridge, which connects Russia's Krasnodar Krai to the Crimean Peninsula, is utilizing the railway at reduced capacity, and the roadway has been reduced to a one-way highway, following damage from Ukrainian sea drones and a truck bomb in the fall. There's only one other railway bridge connecting Crimea to Kherson, the bridge at Armyansk. The problem with this bridge is it's in HIMARS range, and now finds itself effectively without any major G-locks into or out of Crimea. While their logistics aren't completely disrupted, they're severely undercut, and the occupied territories can't be resupplied via Crimea. We assess worsening shortages on the front for Russia, in Kherson and Zaporizhia especially. In an attritional war such as this one, shortages matter. All it takes is one defensive line to start collapsing before a whole front goes down. Second, psychologically and politically, Crimea is of utmost importance to the Russian occupier mindset. Russians, even so-called liberal ones, cannot imagine a Russia without Crimea. The most apt comparison, and I'll come back to this later, is how Nazi Germany viewed the Sudetenland absolutely integral to its existence. Should Ukraine take Crimea, potentially by starving it of resources like military equipment and potable water, then the war is over. Putin would almost certainly not survive the political fallout from the liberation of the peninsula. Speaking of fallout, let's talk about the Russian Federation. More drones attacked the Moscow Central Business District overnight on July 31st to August 1st. According to Moscow's mayor, Sergei Sobyanin, quote, several drones were shot down by air defense systems while trying to reach Moscow, end quote. While there was no mention of any damage, there were a few photos indicating a building had been struck. The West has been too squeamish in making comparisons to Nazi Germany, according to Columbia University's Timothy Snyder, a renowned scholar on Russia. If Western leaders were to call the fascist state that is the Russian Federation akin to Nazis, they would be forced to act. Acknowledging the incredibly apt comparison would mean they're sitting around not getting involved while another fascist state wages genocidal war on the European continent. And at every Holocaust memorial, they've all very clearly said never again. Among the clearest similarities between the two regimes is their propaganda. For example, the Third Reich, that's the Nazis, said then-British Prime Minister Winston Churchill was an alcoholic, and labeled Jews, LGBT, and minority ethnic groups, among others, subhuman and called for their extermination. The Russian Federation employs similar tactics, alleging that Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is a drug addict and referring to Ukrainians with dehumanizing rhetoric and slurs and promoting their elimination as a people. Let's talk military tech. New Ukrainian drones, unofficially called beavers, were publicly revealed by the Ukrainian government on July 25th. They have a range of at least 800 kilometers and use an internal combustion engine. Ukraine's government allocated $1.1 billion for domestic drone production in 2023. China will be limiting exports of long-range civilian drones, according to the Washington Post, due to concerns about potential military adaptation of the drones for use in the war in Ukraine. 
The United States is looking for ways to increase the supply of critical 155mm ammunition to Ukraine and has already signed agreements with Bulgaria and South Korea to supply the shells and is in negotiations with Japan. Ukraine started producing artillery and mortar rounds both domestically and in partner nations in September 2022 and has increased capacity tenfold. But it isn't enough, according to Minister of Strategic Industries Oleksandr Kamyshin. Kamyshin seems like a pretty solid choice for the job. Prior to being appointed Minister of Strategic Industries this past March, he was the CEO of Ukrzaliznitsya, the state-owned railway that has incredibly kept running more or less on time, for the entire full-scale invasion so far. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports, and please consider supporting our work on Substack. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone.